the First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. If you have your Bible with you or you have a Bible app on your mobile phone or, you know, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in front of you there. Uh, we're going to be actually in chapter uh, Luke chapter 6. And this morning we're wrapping up a series titled Portraits of Christianity. And uh, we have subtitled this series Living Images of Christ. And, and for those of you who are like me and you're a little bit OCD, I'm sorry. I have to apologize right now because we're ending this series on an odd number instead of an even number because this is the seventh and final message in this series. Um, you know, and for me, that just kind of like rattles around my head because like seven or five or three, that makes sense. I like even numbers. But uh, so if that causes you a little trauma like it's doing for me, then I just want to ask for your forgiveness this morning. But uh, this series actually has been really important and exciting because uh, this is all about becoming living images of Jesus Christ, and that, which is exactly what we're called to do. Um, we who put our trust into Jesus uh, as Savior, we're called, as Paul says, to be conformed into the image of, of the Son of God, which means we're to become more and more each and every day like Christ. And that's what this series is all about. It's answering the question of what does it look like to be, become uh, remade in the image of Christ here on earth. And so to answer this question, we've been looking at this particular chapter of text, uh, Luke chapter 6, and it, because it's one of the best examples of what it means to follow Jesus and be, uh, be like him because uh, Luke chapter 6 records for us what Christ commanded his followers to do. And it gives some examples of how Christ himself lived and behaved. And so so with that, what we've done over the last several weeks is we've taken this chapter and we've just actually pulled it all apart and we've looked at each individual section to find practical ways that we can follow Jesus in order to be more like him. And so uh, what we did is we kicked off this series by asking a really big question um, that Jesus himself asks at the end of the chapter, which is, why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? And that's really, for Christians, that's a big question. It's one of those questions that should kind of keep us up at night sometimes. Okay? Um, why would you call me Lord or God or Master and not do what I say to do? Because the foundation of being a Christ follower is to be a disciple, which means to be obedient to what Jesus commands for us to do. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to follow Him. You know, how do you follow someone when you refuse to actually go where they lead? And then in week two, we talked about how even though we as Christ followers are called to be obedient and to do what Christ says to do. We also need to keep in mind that following Jesus isn't about keeping rules. It's about a relationship that we have with him. We absolutely need to be obedient. We absolutely should take holiness serious, but not as a condition of our salvation. Okay. And not as an end in and of itself. Okay. We should be willingly to be obedient because of the relationship that we have with, with God, that mind-blowing relationship we have with God himself because of the sacrifice of Christ. And so our obedience isn't about religion or keeping rules or, you know, or look at me and look what I'm doing for, for God. Our obedience is, is the gratitude that we feel because Christ saved us in spite of who we are. And then in week three, we talked about how Jesus gives us an example for us to follow in our prayer life. In fact, uh, Keith uh, told us a story about how Jesus spent the night, the entire night in prayer the night before he chose his 12 disciples. And the point is that if we're going to be Christ followers, we made into his image. We need to be like Christ and do the things that he did, which means we need to become people of prayer. This is the most underutilized tool in all of Christianity. We need to pray. I shouldn't have to say that, but we need to pray. People who follow Jesus need to be people of prayer. And it's an important part of following Christ. And then in week four, we talked about that at the beginning of Jesus' most famous public sermon, 
the Sermon on the Mount. And the part that we talked about that we opened up with was we looked at the very little first front section that is known as the Beatitudes where Jesus says in the beginning, he says, blessed are the poor for yours is the kingdom of heaven. And what we discovered through, through a long discussion is that this sermon, this part of the sermon is actually what Jesus is talking about is being sold out for something in your life. As we talked about, we're either sold out for Jesus or we're sold out for something else. And believe me, we are all sold out for something. Okay? We're sold out for either pleasure or hobbies or lust or materialism or relationships. We all sell out for something. And we, and we learned that, that a Christ follower is expected to sell all the way out for Jesus. That there's nothing that, we should, that, that, that should stand in the way of our relationship with him. And then in week five, we talked about probably the, the absolute hardest part of being a Christ follower, which is to love our enemies. We're to love the unlovable. We're to, we're to hate those who hate us. I mean, excuse me. We're to, we're to bless those who hate us. That, see, that was so natural, wasn't it? Hate those who hate us, right? No. No, we're, we're to love the unlovable and bless those who hate us. Okay, golly, it's just like, just slipped right out, didn't it? <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to work on this one, too. So... But we're to bless those who curse us and pray for those who mistreat us. And, and I don't think that we have any argument whatsoever how hard this is, obviously. And, um, and, and how hard that, 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 that we all understand that this is difficult. And, and, and even as hard as it is, though, we have to be really careful to understand that this is not negotiable. Jesus absolutely expects for us to love our enemies because that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. And the reason for that is when we love our enemies, we are absolutely the most like God. Because the story of the gospel itself is a story of God loving his enemies so much that he sent his son to die for them. And the truth is we all were at one time God's enemies. And, we, and he loved us all that way. And so if we're going to be like Christ, then we need to love those who are hard to love. That means those people that annoy us. Those people who frustrate us. The people who wrong us, the people who hurt us, the people that we call our enemies. If we're going to follow Christ, we need to stop pretending and start doing what Jesus said and get busy actually loving our enemies. And then last week we talked about one of the most famous verses in the Bible, which is judge not um, and you will not be judged. And, and we talked about that, that in this verse is, you know, even though it's so famous, it's also the most misinterpreted verse in the Bible. And what we discovered is that, that the words of Jesus here are not about Christians not being able to judge between right and wrong. And Christians not having to say anything to anyone about anything about their actions or attitudes. But instead this verse and, and the others connected to it are all about how we are to relate to and teach and rebuke and correct and love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And when Jesus says, judge not and you will not be judged, what he's communicating is that we need to be really, really careful not in how we deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be careful in how we judge them. And we don't try to judge them according to the law because guess what? We ourselves are guilty of the same standard. We need to be careful not to be hypocrites. We need to be careful not to condemn. We need to be careful to, to forgive and, and to love and, and be generous with our love and our grace. We need to be careful to treat others the way that God has treated us. And so, so that, and so this has nothing to do with Christians having to keep their mouths closed, you know, with respect to, to people caught in sin. This, this verse is not a rebuke against Christians who judge between what is right and what is wrong as far as actions and behaviors goes. This text is about Christ followers being humble, 
humble and loving in their interactions with other believers. And, and, and so with all that, let me just quickly kind of put the pieces together, you know, and, 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 and let me just show you what it means so far to be a follower of Christ uh, and to be like him. A Christ follower is, is obedient to the word of God, but a Christ follower is obedient not because of rules. He's obedient because of his relationship with Jesus. A disciple of Jesus grows in that relationship by spending time with him in prayer. And that relationship grows and he becomes more obedient to Christ. As that happens, he continues to sell out more and more all the way for Jesus. You see, a Christ follower will seek to remove anything that gets in the way of his walk with Christ. And being obedient and being sold out for Christ and being like him means that we will go to extreme lengths to follow him in order to be like him, which means we will do radical things like we will love those who hate us. Us. And then we'll be good to those, you know, who are unlovable in the world. Sold out disciples of Christ will do crazy things like, 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 like to be like Christ. We will love with a radical, amazing, undeserving kind of love. And we do that for our enemies and we do that for our fellow believers too. We will be generous with our love and our grace and our time. We will be very slow to judge. We won't, we won't judge with a double standard. We won't condemn, but we will certainly seek to correct and rebuke and encourage and teach in order to help people to, to see clearly enough uh, in order for them to follow Jesus well as well. And we, you see, Christ, being a Christ follower, to sum it all up, is all about our relationship to Christ, and it's about our relationship with other people. That's why Jesus tells us the sum total of all of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets... The sum total of that is to love God with all of our hearts and to love our neighbor, which is everybody else around us as ourselves. Being a Christ follower is about a relationship with Christ and a relationship with all other people. And on one end you have the spectrum, you have the worst of the worst, which are enemies. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have our fellow believers. And we're to be gracious and generous and loving and caring and compassionate to all of them, telling them the truth of the gospel. And this right here is the portrait that we have so far. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to be like him, to be conformed and to shape into his image so far as we can see in Luke chapter six. But there's one more thing. See, our portrait isn't quite complete because there's one last little piece of text in Luke six that we need to take a look at. And it's in the beginning of uh, verse 43 in, in, in chapter 6. And what we're going to do real quick, we're just going to read it this morning uh, without actually really a lot of setup. And then what we'll do is we'll just take this thing apart and we'll examine it in its proper context and see how it actually fits this picture that Luke has painted for us so far. So Jesus says in the, in the beginning of verse 43, he says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of uh, his uh, evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, I think for really most of us, you know, this text is something we're familiar with. I think we've heard this before. And, and, and many of us, when we read this, we're going to say, amen. Amen to that. That's right. That's the truth. You can't get good fruit out of a bad tree. 
Evil people will do things that are evil out of the, the evil that's stored up in their hearts. Okay, this is a text that we're really quickly inclined to agree with just on the surface. And the reason we, we would agree with that is because this fits how we understand the world to be. We understand that good people will do good things and bad people will do bad things. That's kind of how we kind of understand how the world works. I mean, people, good people at, at times can do bad things and, and at times good and bad people can do good things. But all in all, good people tend to do good and bad the bad. And especially over the long haul, when you judge somebody over a long period of time, their character gets revealed. And so that's the way we see the world around us, and it's how we see other people. There are good people, and there are bad people, and they typically do accordingly. And, uh, and though this, this understanding actually is, is, is true to, to a degree, this is not the overall point you know, that, 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 that Jesus is making. Okay? This text right here... Um, uh, actually, Jesus has something else because if you remember, this text itself fits within a specific context. This text has a context that it fits into. And if we're going to interpret and understand this passage the right way, it absolutely must fit that context. And so if you remember, this entire passage has what we, we called a cultural context attached to it. This message that Jesus gives is given to a first century Jewish audience that has a first century Jewish culture. And whatever interpretation of this text that we come up with needs to fit that culture in that context in order for that to be valid for us today. The second thing that we need to do is we need to remember that there's an immediate context as well. To, to get the immediate context, you have to ask three basic questions. Who's talking? Who's he talking to? And what are they talking about? And so we know from the immediate context... That, that Jesus is the one that's talking here. He's the one that's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and, so, and we know that from last week that the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to his disciples, his audience, the people he's specifically referring to and talking to are Christ's followers. He's talking to the people that are following him. He's preaching to believers and preaching how they should follow him, what that looks like. And the final question that we have to answer is, what, what is he talking about? What is Jesus actually talking about in this particular passage of Scripture? Well, to answer that question, we actually have to dig a little bit deeper and examine a little bit more closely. Because let me just tell you, Jesus isn't talking about good and bad people in the universal general sense. I mean, most people will read that scripture and think in general terms and that Jesus is talking about the good and bad people generally because it fits our general understanding of the world you know, that we just talked about. Good people do good things, bad people do bad things. And even though that's true, for, like I said, to a degree, that's not the point that Jesus is actually making. You see, in order to understand the point that Jesus is making here, what we have to do is we have to, we have to look not only at the cultural context and not only at the immediate context, we actually have to look at the textual context. What is Jesus saying within the context of the surrounding scripture? Meaning, what, what comes before this text and what comes after that? Because the surrounding text can have a huge, huge bearing on what this particular passage means. And so what comes before this text? Well, Luke emphasizes in the beginning of the chapter that following Jesus and drawing near him isn't about regulations it's about a relationship with christ that's kind of the starting point where, where, where luke jumps off and then and then we are saved through faith and drawn into a deeper intimate relationship with christ because of the finished work that he's done on the cross we follow him because of our relationship and then the next section jesus begins preaching the sermon on the mount and we've we've talked about how jesus is preaching to believers and what he's telling them is that he has expectations of how they are to act and behave. Jesus is telling his followers that they're to behave a certain way, that they're to act a certain way. And Jesus makes three major points that we've covered about how followers are 
behave and act. And these points are these. The first point that Jesus addresses is how we're to sell out for God. Jesus expects for us to sell all the way out for God. He expects for us to be completely sold out for him. The second uh, point that Jesus addresses is how we treat our enemies. Jesus absolutely expects for us to love our enemies. And again, this is not negotiable. And then the third one is Jesus is, is, is he, he addresses how we treat other believers. Jesus expects for us to treat other believers with love and grace and compassion. He absolutely expects us to behave that way. You see, Jesus in this sermon gives believers some basic instructions and commandments on how to sell out for Jesus and love our enemies and relate to and train up other believers. And so that's the summary of, of what we've been taught so far. And so it's about our relationship and not rules. It's about selling out for Jesus, loving our enemies, treating other believers well. And that is what he talked about in the text that's before our text. It's about what Jesus says to do. And then Jesus mentions the fruits and treasures and good and bad people. And then Jesus, after that, finishes his sermon on the mount by asking, asking the question, why do you call me Lord? Why don't you do what I say? You see, an important point to understand here is the text that we're looking at here is sandwiched in the middle of Jesus asking, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? And Jesus telling what we're supposed to do. This is really important because, because Jesus has to love our enemies and we don't want to do that. Okay? And then Jesus asked them, why do you call me Lord? Jesus says, sell all the way out for me. But we don't want to do that because we, we don't want to stop you know, lusting. Or we don't want to stop gossiping. We don't want to stop choosing sports over God. We don't want to stop chasing after material things. And, and Jesus asks, if, if, if you don't want to sell out for me, why do you call me Lord? And then Jesus says, don't judge your brothers and sisters by a standard you yourself can't uphold. Don't condemn, but you need to lovingly rebuke. Don't be too harsh, but be generous with your grace and your love and, and your time and your money. But we don't want to do that because it's just too easy to look down our noses at other people. It makes us feel good when we can make other people feel inferior to us. It's just easier to judge someone instead of actually working and, and, and trying to get to know them and understand them. And Jesus says, why do you call me, you know, Lord, why do you call yourself a Christian? Why would you call, me by my, call yourself by my name if you just won't do these basic things? And in between all of that discussion, between Jesus telling us what he wants us to do and us not wanting to do what he says to do, Jesus inserts this text about good and bad trees and good and bad people and, and treasures of the heart. You see, in this text, Jesus is using actually two word pictures to communicate a really clear and basic idea. The examples of, of a fruit of a fruit-bearing tree, and he uses an example of a treasury. And let me just remind you, Jesus is not addressing the world at large, because we all know, you know, good fruit only comes from good trees. And we and, and we all know that really good people do really good things and 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 bad people do bad things. That goes without saying. Jesus is not addressing those things. Jesus is addressing the behavior, not of the world. He is addressing the behavior of his followers. Jesus is addressing the fruit of his followers, his disciples. Jesus is addressing the actions and the attitudes of those who call themselves Christians. And what he's saying here, if you can, you can actually really tell who truly will follow me 
And you can tell them apart from those who won't by the fruit that they bear in their lives. You can actually tell who is being remade into my image and who is becoming like me by the fruit that they bear in their life. Regardless of what they say, regardless of how religious and pious they may act, regardless of their church attendance, the true measure of whether a person is or is not actually following Jesus isn't about religion and their religious behavior. It is the fruit that they bear in their life. You see, fruit is the natural byproduct of what something is. It's a natural manifestation of, of an internal reality. Okay? It happens automatically. When you go to an orchard, you do not hear trees grunting and groaning with effort to produce fruit. It just happens automatically. The fruit is a manifestation of what something is internally. And it's the same with people. You can pretend to be something, but if you're not actually that, you will not bear the fruit in keeping with that. For example, I can pretend all I want to, to be a heart surgeon. I mean, I can, I can learn the vocabulary, and I can put on the clothes, and I can, you know, act like, I guess, those people would act, but I wouldn't be able to successfully perform heart surgery, right? I don't, I, I mean, it doesn't matter how I act or what I say or how convincing I may, may be, you know, and the reason for that is, is, is I can't bear fruit in that way, okay? A heart surgeon spends years of training and practice. His mind and his heart are focused on becoming transformed into this professional who's capable of operating on the human heart. And because of that, he or she, as a surgeon, they can bear fruit of their work, okay? And as a result, all they do... All they do is the fruit of who they are internally. They become, they become a heart surgeon. And as try as I may to fake it, I can't bear that. I mean, I can't, I, I can't bear any fruit for that. I mean, it wouldn't take very long for people to figure out that I'm a charlatan. And, and that's the idea here that Jesus is talking about. You will know a Christ follower by his fruit that he or she bears. And you will know a Christian by the fruit that they produce in their life. And the fruit that Jesus is referring to here is that we've, been, that we've been talking about. The fruit of following Jesus is to sell out for Christ. A Christ follower doesn't have to pretend that he's sold out for Jesus. Okay? He just chooses God first. You know, he or she just does it. He spends time in the Word with God and in prayer, and he focuses his mind and his heart in, 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 his, in an effort to become more like Jesus. And in that process, he just sells out for Jesus. Selling out for Jesus is the natural fruit that comes from being a disciple and following where Jesus actually leads. And the fruit of Jesus uh, that he's referring to is, is loving our enemies. A Christ follower doesn't pretend that he's all holy. A Christ follower, you know, does what God does. A Christ follower humbles himself and sacrifices in an effort to love those who are hard to love, to be good to those who hate you. And, and, and a Christ, you know, he, he's referring to the fruit uh, in how we treat other people. Uh, especially believers, you know, Christ followers don't have, to, don't have to use their faith to make themselves look better in the eyes of other people. A Christ follower humbles themselves and tells the truth in love. He is gracious and she is, con she is she's not condemning. A Christ follower is full of, of what we talk about all the time. They're full of grace and truth. They're quick to, to look at their own hearts before examining somebody else's heart. A disciple tries to see first clearly the truth before trying to help someone else see the truth. A Christ follower understands his, his standing before God has nothing, nothing to do with his own efforts or, or keeping the rules and, and following a bunch of regulations. It's about a relationship that was bought and paid for 
by the blood of Christ. And that relationship is the most important relationship in his or her life. And it shows because of the fruit that is in their life. Their life is filled with things like love. And I mean the agape kind of love, the the self-sacrificing, volitional kind of love, even when you don't feel it kind of love. They're filled with joy, joy that comes from a close relationship with God. They're filled with peace, that inner peace from knowing God, but also that physical peace that comes from quenching conflict because you will go out of your way to love your enemies. And patience, okay, with those who are hard to love, and patience with our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially when they are in error. And then kindness. Kindness, what a godly attribute. In fact, if you'll remember, you know, a few verses earlier, Jesus said, God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And we need to be kind as God himself is kind. And then there's a fruit. And then the fruit of our lives continues. Kindness, and then there's goodness, being good to other people. Faithfulness, being faithful to Christ and being faithful to others and faithful to follow where Jesus leads and being faithful to do what Jesus tells us to do. And then... Then gentleness. And this is a marvelous, marvelous word in the Greek. This word in the Greek actually can be translated as meekness. And it's this idea, okay? It's this idea of, of, of extreme power and extreme potential and extreme capability. But this power is under the most, most uh, control. Gentleness is, is choosing to be tender and soft and loving, even when you have the ability to be harsh and stern and brutal, okay? It's a manifestation of the loving closeness we have in Christ. Jesus was gentle, so we should also be gentle towards one another and our enemies. And then finally, we have self-control. Having within ourselves the self-control to put God first in all things and to sell out for Him all the way and having the self-control to calm our emotions, to love our enemies and having the self-control to be loving and gracious instead of being judgmental and condemning to our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the kind of fruit that we are to bear in our lives. And you can see this fruit in the way that a person sold out for Christ, in the way that they have extraordinary love for people who are hard to love, in the way that they humble themselves towards other believers. And Jesus says, this kind of fruit, this kind of fruit can only come from the right kind of tree. Because trees can only bear fruit in keeping with who they are. Christ followers bear fruit of a Christ follower. A cultural Christian, those who profess to be Christians but live and behave like the rest of the world, they bear fruit of cultural Christians, but not as Christ followers. You see, the word pictures here of of the tree bearing fruit is poignant and revealing. Jesus says, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. We are not going to pick peaches from a tumbleweed. You know, um, why... Why, would, why is that possible? Because trees can only bear fruit that's in, in accordance with what they are. It can only bear fruit with what it is internally made of. And it's the same with people. We can only bear fruit in keeping with who we are. And so only a true Christ follower is going to bear the fruit that Jesus is calling Christ followers to bear in this text. You see, this is an important analogy for us to understand because much of Western Christianity has a portrait of what following Christ looks like and is based on the wrong fruit. You see, for many, you know, it, it's about church attendance or Bible study attendance. 
For many, it's about you know, where your Bible studies are held, whether it's in a home or whether it's in a church building. For many, you know, uh, following Jesus is about what you wear to church and the kind of music that gets played. You know? And for some, it's just, you know, am I officially belonging to a particular congregation according to the bylaws? For many people, following Jesus is about standing on street corners with bullhorns and yelling at people and holding up signs. But let me just tell you, those are not the fruit of a Christ follower. Let me be clear. Those are not the fruit of a Christ follower. Those are the fruits of people practicing a religion. Those are the fruit of a people trying to live by a prescribed tradition, which is not bad in its, of itself. Those things are not actually the fruit of a, tri, a Christ follower. Now, you can absolutely be a sold-out Jesus follower who loves his enemies and who is good to, to other believers but still be persnickety in how you want to worship in, in, in church, you know, and, and value a spotless, you know, church attendance record, and that's fine. But one does not necessarily have to do with the other. In fact, we all know people who are very religious, but that are not sold out for Jesus. We all know people who spend their entire life in church and are happy to look down their noses at their enemies and happy to look down on believers that they don't approve of. One is not connected to the other. Christ followers bear a certain kind of fruit. Religious, bear, religious people bear a, a different kind of fruit. And Jesus says that you will know a tree by its fruit. And Christ followers will bear a certain kind of fruit because that is, fruit is in keeping with who they are inside. Now, I want you to notice the next analogy. Jesus says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person of the evil treasure of his heart um, will produce evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, the word pictures here, this is a really important analogy. It's important for us for a couple of reasons. Number one, the first thing is that it tells us the truth about, about the lives that we live and the way that we act. It tells us that our actions and our attitudes are not, are not the result of external forces being applied to us. Our actions and our attitudes are not the result of what happens to us. Our actions and our attitudes are not a manifestation of the external world, you know, putting pressure on us. Rather, our actions and attitudes are a direct manifestation of what is in our hearts. This is important because think about this. If you claim to be sold out for Christ, but you have fallen into adultery, what does that say about you? It says that you have lust in your heart. If you're someone, you know, if you're someone who gets annoyed, you know, and you respond to that person who annoys you with hate, what does that say about you? It says that you have hate stored up in your heart. If you're some, you know, if someone in your life falls short, you know, of what, what God wants, and they keep falling short over and over again, and you just finally just get to the point where you're just going to write them off, what does that say about you? It means you're not patient, number one. The other is that you're, you have condemnation in your heart because you're willing to condemn them. Our actions and our attitudes are a clear reflection of what we've stored up in our hearts. You lose your temper, all right. That just means that you have anger stored up in your heart. You feel like slapping someone for something they did six months ago. That means you have bitterness stored up in your heart. On the other hand, if you decide to go help someone and pay for the groceries of someone less fortunate than you, then you have generosity stored up in your heart. If and you decide to go out of your way to do something for someone in spite of how they may treat you, that means you have agape love stored up in your heart. You see, our actions and our attitudes are a direct reflection of what's in us. 
We do good from the good that's stored in our hearts and evil from the evil stored up in our hearts. Our actions and our attitudes reflect our reflection of who we are on the inside. And that is determined by what we store up in the treasury of our hearts. And so the first thing, that's the first thing that we need to understand. The second thing that we need to understand that this passage helps us to see is that our hearts are treasuries or depositories. And what that means is we have within us the ability to change what is stored up in our hearts. This is an important point to, to understand. We have the ability to change what's stored up in the treasury of our hearts. We have the ability to, be, to systematically be, to begin to remove the evil that's stored in our hearts. And we have the ability to begin to replace that evil with good and store that in our hearts instead. You see, we who follow Christ can, can change the contents of our heart. We can change what our hearts are actually made of. We can, which means we can change who we are on the inside. And then we can bear the fruit accordingly. You see, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of following Jesus. It's not about religion. It's not about rule keeping. Okay? The whole point of following Jesus is transformation. That's the whole point. Remember, we are called, as Paul puts it, to be conformed into the image of Son of God, who, by the way, is the very image of the invisible God. And if you will remember, we originally were created to be in the image of God. God says in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We were originally created to be the image bearers of God, living portraits of God here on earth. But that was destroyed when sin entered the world. And we became destroyed. Distorted figures, distorted trees, bearing evil and bitter fruit. We became people with treasuries of our hearts filled up with all kinds of evil. But because God loves us, because God loves us, we were saved and rescued when God decided to sell out for us and send his son to die for us, even though we were his enemies. And then once we were drawn into his family, the blood of Christ covers us. And we're not judged then by the law. And we're not condemned any longer. But instead we're forgiven. And God lavishes upon us grace upon grace upon grace. And then he is so very generous with his love and his compassion toward us. Gently correcting and rebuking and encouraging us. And we, because of that, because of all of that, we have the privilege to follow Jesus into this deep, close, personal relationship with God. And we have this this, the privilege to be obedient to his commands and walk in holiness. We have the privilege to grow and to, and to be transformed from the inside out. We have the privilege uh, to, to have the evil in our hearts dug out and replaced with, with good. We have the privilege to be remade and transformed into living images of the one who willingly paid the price to save us. And that's the whole point. The point is to be transformed in the image of Christ. That's the whole point of discipleship. That's the whole point of this text. That's the whole point of this entire series is to be more like Jesus. Growing every day to be more and more like Jesus. Now, again, knowing something is one thing. But doing something with what you know is entirely a different matter. That's why we're, we're called to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. We're supposed to actually do something with what we're taught. And so what do we do with this? How do we take this teaching today and apply it to our lives? Well, I think a great possible ac application of this text is to work from the analogy of the treasure that's stored up in our hearts. In fact, um, uh, I think that's the, actually the best place to begin. We need to root out the evil 
that gets settled into our hearts and replaced it with something good in an effort to store up the good in our hearts so we can be transformed to bear the fruit that Christ is calling us to bear. So how do we do that? How do we remove the bad and replace it with good? Well, I got, I'm going to share with you today six practical things that you can do with your, in your life starting today, starting right now, that it will help you to be transformed from the inside out and to grow to be more like Jesus. And so here we go. Number one, if you're going to start storing up good in your heart, you absolutely must begin with the Word of God. You have to start there. David says in Psalm 119.11, I store up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That uh, text doesn't need a whole lot of exegesis. That text pretty much is self-explanatory. The very source of truth, the very source of what is good and that we have access to here in this world is the word of God. We need to get the word of God in our hearts. We need to get the truth of God's word in our hearts. And we do that simply by spending time reading the Bible. That's how we begin storing up the good in our hearts. And the second application then is, and I know we've covered this a little bit before, is we need to spend time uh, with God talking to him in prayer. We need to pray. Okay? You need to spend some time every day in prayer with God. You need to pray that God would cleanse your heart. Remember, you know, the song that we, we like to sing based on, on Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Take some time every day and pray that to God. And, 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 and that time with God that you spend with Him will bear fruit. It will begin to shape you and change you. And then the third application in order to remove evil from your heart like lust and greed and envy and pride, is, is you just need to confess. You need to confess the evil that's in your heart. And I'm not talking about laying on your pillow at nighttime, just halfway going to sleep, going, Dear Lord, forgive me this and that and this and that. Okay? And I'm not, talking about like, I'm not talking about formal confession like people in the Church of Rome do. I'm talking about confessing your heart and your sins to another human being. James, the brother of Jesus, says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We need to confess to fellow believers. That's how we dig the sin and temptation of our hearts. That means, you know, talking to your pastor or your small group leader or your prayer partner or your accountability partner. Okay, the way that you remove the sin from your heart is confession. Okay, that's how we expose it to light. Once we expose it to light, it loses its power over us. Which leads to the fourth application. If you're going to be in a position to confess, you need to, you need to be in fellowship. You need to be around other believers. And I'm not talking about just here on Sunday morning where you come to hear the word and, and worship corporately. We need to be close in, 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 in personal fellowship. You need to have regular contact with other Christians and not just on Sunday morning and not just hanging around, but actually connecting with each other in order to grow in your walk with God. And a great place to do that is to get yourself plugged into a small group in, 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 or starting your own. Okay? A small group is a wonderful place to get connected for other believers and build relationships. It's about getting you out of the rows and into circles. And if you're interested in joining a small group, then you can grab one of them cards right there in front of you. Um, you can just put your name, whatever contact information on there that, that, that's relevant. Um, and then just put whatever days and times that work best for you. And then we will absolutely help you try to get plugged into a small group. But one way or the other, you have to get into fellowship, whether it's having lunch with other Christians, having dinner with other Christians, having coffee with other Christians. Whatever you have to do, you need to have meaningful contact with other Christ followers. And then the fifth application is you need to do in order to be transformed is you need to be in the habit, the habit of forgiving. Now, some of you 
are not going to like that. Some of you want to resist that. But forgiveness is the only cure. It is the only cure for anger and bitterness and the grudges that get stuck in your heart. You cannot be transformed into the image of Christ if you harbor anger and hate and bitterness. It's just not going to happen. You have to get rid of that stuff. And the only way you can do that is to forgive. I want to encourage you to make it a habit to forgive. Forgive quick, forgive often, and forgive as God has forgiven you. And then the final application is is to get serious about holiness. You need to get serious about holiness. I'm not saying that you need to follow a bunch of rules I'm not, for rules' sake. I'm not saying that you need you know, to be holy you know, just because you're trying to impress people. I'm saying be holy because your Father is holy. Getting serious about holiness and focusing our lives on, on, on that kind of obedience begins to fill our hearts up with good treasure. And not because we're, we're just good and God is, just, is going to give us spiritual brownie points. It's going to fill our hearts up with treasure because holiness draws us even further into our relationship with Christ. Holiness, because Christ is holy, helps us to be more like Jesus. And so it takes... It, and so take... And so it takes time. It's time to take this serious. It's, it's time to be serious about holiness. It's time to be serious about getting past your addictions. It's time to be serious about getting past the temptation in your life. It's, it's time to get serious about dealing with pride and, and the need to gossip and, and lust and adultery and greed. It's time to get serious about living a holy life and selling out for, for Jesus. Now, looking at this list here, I completely understand that this is a tall order to fill. I'm in complete agreement with you. I realize it's a lot to do, okay? But let me just encourage you. You don't have to master all of this today. You don't have to master all of this this week. You just need to make progress towards this. You need to make progress towards You need to commit to taking a step in this direction. You need to commit to moving towards this ideal. Now, I will say, you should already be spending time a little bit each day reading and praying. Okay? You should already be doing that. Okay? That should be just like the, the starting point that you already should be there. Okay? And so what I'm going to ask you to do then for your homework is I'm going to ask you to pick one of the four remaining here this week and really begin to focus on growing in one of these areas. And, 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 and you know, be it getting into regular fellowship, whether it's confessing to other believers or making a point to forgive or walking in holiness. What I'm asking you to do is just to pick one, write it down on a sticky note. I actually get put a sticky note for your convenience in your bulletin today, okay? So you don't have an excuse. Write it on the sticky note that I put in your bulletin and take that sticky note and put it somewhere that you can see it first thing in the morning. Whether it's your mirror or the bathroom, whether it's like where on your nightstand where you charge your phone, because I know you look at that first thing in the morning, right? All right? And, and, or, or, or whether it's the, you know, the visor of your car, you need to put it somewhere where you can see it. Okay, and then start your day reading that note and committing to take the steps to grow in this area. So if it's forgiveness, then decide to forgive. <laughs> if it's confession, then find an accountability partner to talk to and share with. If it's fellowship, then get plugged into a small group or invite somebody over for coffee and, and, and begin to, just, just to have regular devotions together. If it's holiness, start to commit to being, you know, to begin removing the things that get in the way of that personal holiness. And then after you've decided and you've committed, then go before God every day and ask you to help you with these steps. 
Ask him, Lord, show me the way. Help me to walk in holiness. Help me to forgive. Help me to confess. Help me to grow in this. Lead the way. And then when he leads, follow. (laughs) Sometimes it seems so simple, but I know it's hard. But when God urges you on, follow. Okay? Follow where he leads you each day to become a living image of Christ. And don't just hear these messages that we spent seven weeks together on and just let it go out you know, in one ear and out the other. This whole series is on SoundCloud for your review. The, the, the website address is in your bulletin. And if you want a whole copy of this on CD, then go ahead and take one of those cards in front of you, fill it out, put a note on there saying, I'd like to have the whole series, and I'll get you a copy. But come what may, come what may, you were called to be radically transformed and to be obedient to the word of God and to become a living image of Christ. So I want to encourage you to commit to walking in that. So let me, let me pray for you. Father, we just are so grateful for your unending grace and mercy in our lives. And we're just so grateful for how patient you are with us and and how loving you are with us, and, 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 and how you just continue to give us examples of who we are to be and how we're to live. And I just pray that we would just all take this seriously, Lord, that we would just sell all the way out to be remade into your image, Lord. I can just see this world around us. I can see our community if just the people in this room just decided to sell out for you and, and to love their enemies and to really be humble in the way they treated other believers, how that it would just change the, the tone and the, the, the texture of our community and how it would absolutely change lives. And that's what we're after, Lord. We want people's lives to be reshaped, rechanged, remade. Lord, we want, we want hearts to be that are, that are broken to be healed. We want marriages to be made whole. We want people who are addicted to be freed, Lord. We want, we want children who, um, who, who suffer to, to have families that, that love them and nurture them. Lord, we want all that's good that, 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 that you're capable of for those around us. And so, Father, we, we pray that your spirit would just descend upon us and convict us and change us from the inside out. And I pray, Lord, that you would raise up a people in this congregation who are willingly go out in this community and who would share the hope and the healing of the gospel of your son. Thank you and praise you. We ask that you glorify in our midst. In Jesus' name pray. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.